Hi, this is Claudia Gray, and you're listening to Don't Burn the Sacred Text. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. This is the story of Star Wars. You can read along with me in your book. O is for Obi-Wan Kenobi. All rebel fighters met at fleet headquarters to plan their attack. Princess Leia addressed them. Obi-Wan never told you what happened to your father. He told me enough. He told me you killed him. No, I am your father. Hello, I am C-3PO, and you are about to listen to the story of Star Wars. Another chapter is here. Welcome to Don't Burn the Sacred Text. I am one of your hosts, Brandon. Yes, and I am here, but I am not here with Lindsay. I have multiple special guests on today. First and foremost, we have the phenomenal Drew Brett. Hey, Brandon, it's nice that I, I get lumped into that category of, of phenomenal people, but I, I think you're underselling certain things. <laughs> I know. I said phenomenal, and then I was like, mm, now i got to find a better word Just to introduce our character, or our character, our guest today, who <laughs> writes Star Wars characters. I'm just going to go with it. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Kevin Scott. <laughs> Hello there. I think I am. I have become a character Quite within a bit. Star Wars fandom. Um, I'm, I'm not sure, actually is is actually me but i um there's definitely people have certain ideas of what i'm like um through my writing now i think yeah it's it's an interesting thing you know how you kind of like you feel like you get to know the artist a little bit through their art but you're also just seeing the part of them that they want to put out into the world and you have it in yeah. so many different mediums like you cover books comics audio dramas like there's so many different and i think i was actually talking with some people the other day about this how like you you've kind of become the most prolific like star wars writer of this generation uh like i would put you in you know with the the timothy zons and stuff like oh, wow. that of the expanded universe just in how much you're adding to the uh to the lexicon and and the the story of star wars not just through the high republic but through everything that you've done so we're excited to talk with you today and and if you don't mind just like go ahead and talk to us a little bit about what that's like working in those different mediums in star wars and how does your approach shift do you have preferences just kind of go off on that sure i mean well just to say i mean it's, it's incredibly kind to compare um, my output to tim's and i mean it, Timothy Zorn means so much to me as you know someone grow, growing growing up in the nineties reading um, reading Star Wars. Come back from from you know from from the bleak years where there wasn't really any Star Wars at all. Um, and I, I've often talked about it that the two things that blew my mind when it came back was the first seeing um, Dark Empire um, and one of my favourite two thousand AD artists suddenly drawing Luke, which was crazy. Um, and then within the space of a few weeks, it seemed walking into a bookstore and, and seeing the first Thrawn um, novel in the trilogy. Um, and yeah, I mean, book comics and books have been such a big part of, of my Star Wars fandom because I mean, again, I've said this before, I read um, Star Wars comics before I saw the films. Um, back in the late 70s, early 80s with Star Wars um, Weekly by Marvel Comics over here in the UK. Um, so sort of that wider expanded universe has always been so important to me in Star Wars. So to be able to contribute these days um, to sort of the current um, modern equivalent of that, um, especially as we've come out of a period where in the last few years, since the, the purchase by Disney, obviously... Star Wars publishing is so tied up with what you know, films coming out and and, and that sort of world, um, and everything that brings when you're doing um, an expanded universe. To suddenly be at a point where we could 
you know throw open the doors and do uh, and truly expand things and do something new and take take um take the books and the comics in a different direction without necessarily having to tie into stuff that you know um that you have to when you're you're deal- you're supporting a film um it's been great because it it i realize i'm standing on the shoulders of giants of the people who did this in, in the old expanded universe and it, it means so much to me and it also puts me under a great deal of pressure because i compare myself to them all the time um in the sense that i have to try and give the same feeling i got when i read those books um that's the same joy to the people who are picking up mine so yeah no pressure at all (laughs) um you know but it's it's something i do all the time you know and i'm literally i sit here and i think every now and then on interviews i show glimpses of my study it's just full of toys of various franchises quite a lot of star wars it has to be said and one of the things that's always there is a tie crawler from um dark empire you know the um the um, tie tank that you see at the bottom of certain panels and because it's just a reminder i remember seeing that and going nuts over it because i'm, I'm a bit of a i'm a bit I, I always go a bit mad whenever i see new versions of, of ties and, and um stormtroopers it's one of the things i've always loved to build a build up of a new film um and it's just there to remind me of that you know that thing of like having something that's so recognizably star wars um but doing something different with it um and even if it's only a tiny little detail in a corner of a comic panel that that one you know to someone that will be really important um and you know and hopefully one day we'll be an action figure sitting on someone's desk um so you know we uh, hope so yeah well i've been trust me i've been campaigning um i I, I campaigned (laughs) for a jackson figure i I campaigned for a jackson figure we got there so you know stay with me um we we need to push for the avar chris black series if i could be so always and and the lightsaber i want the lightsabers um and so yeah so (laughs) that's um you know that's there for you know because a i love it but also to remind me of you know how much all this means to people so yeah it's um it's always a joy and it's also always quite terrifying <laughs> well it's, it's interesting because you talked about like comparing yourself to to the giants of star wars past and stuff like that and one of the things just through immersing myself in star wars media as much as i i possibly can particularly like in the books and things um i didn't really read the expanded universe growing up so whenever there's not new new releases of, of high republic or new canon books i'm going back and i'm reading expanded universe books and it's interesting to see the difference between how the writing has evolved over time but also how the approach to star wars has kind of evolved uh you know nowadays to me as as a reader it feels like it's focused more on the characters and their development whereas in the expanded universe it was a lot more action uh adventure oriented which both are very star wars and both hit for you know certain people in certain ways and stuff like that and i think that's one of the beauties is while we can put you and and the Claudia Grays and Daniel Jose Olders and everybody's working on the High Republic in these categories of the prolific writers of the past. It's not, to me, it's not even a comparison. It's just a, both of these groups of people have impacted Star Wars so much. And it's like literally comparing apples to like pizza. It's like, yeah, they're both food, but they're both very, very different. Oh, I don't know, though, but I mean, you, you look back at one of my favourite series was the X-Wing series, which is, so today we're talking on a day where I've got, um, I've returned to Star Wars Adventures for a couple of issues and, and been given the chance to write a sort of Rogue Squadron story, which for me was a complete wow. joy because I love the X-Wing series so much, both in comics and um, 
and and in books. And again, I think you really did. You went there for the battles, let's face it. You went there for the dogfights. But you really cared about those characters. You really cared about the people behind the the, the control yokes. Um, And again, one of my other favourite series of the past was um, Star Wars Republic. Republic seems to have been a title that has you know loomed large in my Star Wars fandom and um and yeah again I mean that was the that was the Clone Wars before the Clone Wars and again some of those characters you really got behind in it and for me they brought the prequel era to life in a way that then the Clone Wars then followed up with and I had a complicated history with the prequels um and it was through things like that through series like that um and then through the Clone Wars in recent years um that really brought that era alive. So yeah, so I, I, I see what you're saying, but I also think that Star Wars, is all, we've always been there for the characters. Um, and I know from those early days, even reading the Marvel UK comics, um, the reprints of the Marvel series, that yeah, spectacle was everything. But um, but without character, you don't have Star Wars. How, I'd like to ask, how do you think, or what lessons do you think you can learn from those, The like you said, the... the information that came out in the 90s, the Air of the Empire mm. trilogy, and the X-Wing series books, and the Rogue Squadron. Mm. Um, what lessons do you think you can take from that to things that you're applying into the High Republic era? Because we're, we're really looking at two different audiences now. Um, mm. As you said, if you, you came to Rogue Squadron for the adventure and the space battles and whatnot, but I also feel like it's horrifyingly tempting to try and, and weasel in some kind of references at the same time. Do you ever feel like you have to tamp those things down and, and try and not include I'm always having to stop myself. Yeah. <laughs> if anyone's ever read, if anyone's ever read any of my stuff and then gone online and seen people do the the breakdowns of continuity, I'm always <laughs> I, I I can't help myself. And I, if it's the more obscure stuff I can get in there, the better. And that's, that's just gotta feel satisfying when it makes it all the way. Oh, it's fun. The it's fun. I mean, it's just. Um, I mean, you you can never trick Lucasfilm. You can never trick Story Group. You have to sort of like. <laughs> put your hands up and go i'm doing this and trust me they know you know really? nothing gets past pablo well yeah i mean God, pablo wrote the book literally on half of this stuff you know i mean if you go back how does that conversation go like do you get just an email that says are you really trying to sneak past something in on page you know 230 well i don't try and sneak it past that's the thing i think there was one note from Matt Martin when he said, he literally said in the um, Life Day Treasury, uh, and at this point, Cav completes his task to canonise everything in the in the Ewoks films. Right. Um, and so it's become a bit of a thing. I mean, you get, you get moments where people will turn around and say, well, why don't you come up with something new? And I think sometimes as a fan, that's an important um, reminder, you know, um, because first and foremost, continuity references and Easter eggs should never be there to trip someone up um, who's reading it, you know, it should never pull them out of the the story. It should always be a reward for long term fans um, and hopefully um, breadcrumbs for new fans. Just in the way that in New Hope, when Obi Wan or Ben Ben first mentions the Clone Wars, you're like, what? What now? The Who? Um, and so Star Wars has that has that baked into its own DNA, which is brilliant. So. You know, they, they said it from the beginning. With the, the the danger is sometimes that you will become so so self uh, indulgent as a fan that you want to try and 
ram all these things in that you sort of forget that actually when Timothy Zorn was starting with that trilogy and you can read those I, I re- reread um, Air to the Empire earlier this year because it's the 30th anniversary and, and so I got my, my old copy out and reread it and, and I, I, I'm always overjoyed when I go back to it because I, I realised how little he had to work with you know I mean, he, you know, he had the films and that was pretty much it and, and of course at that time there was the conversation about whether the Marvel comics were canon or not and, and so you know he had a, such an open canvas that he could take where he wanted to go and you know, at the same time wanted to make it obvious to people picking up that yes this is star, still Star Wars you're okay you're safe um, and with the High Republic that's something that we had a similar challenge and also opportunity because it is Star Wars there are lightsabers there are droids there are ships um, there is hyperspace but at the same point because it's a part of the history of the galaxy that we've never really seen before, not even in the in in the old expanded universe, um, that we could we you know all, all bets were off in a little you know a little bit as well. So we we could um, stretch ourselves and we could start to create in a way that perhaps you can't do when you're writing something between Empire and Return of the Jedi um, because okay. then you have to hit certain beats. Um, and so that was great. And I think again you can look back to those early days of. Um, what we now know as legends, and and see the kind of things they did, um, and and say, right, how can we not repeat the same things, but how can we take um, take a lesson from from how they approached it, uh, and sort of remodel that into a, a new era. So, like with that in mind, obviously, uh, the High Republic is focusing a lot on the Jedi, and yes. um, for me, like. The fascinating thing, and this kind of goes with everything you talked about, about characters and developing new things and stuff like that, is how you guys are presenting the Jedi. Because the Jedi we've seen for most of the saga are extremely flawed, and and especially so during the era of the Republic, how they become tied to the government and all of that stuff. So 200 years gives you guys uh, a lot of room to play with. It's a long time. Yeah, and it's been intriguing to see how, like... Uh, different Jedi and different authors view the roles of the Jedi and their philosophy and their history and so on. Like, I listen to a lot of podcasts, and that's the thing that always comes up every time a new uh, High Republic comes out. So, yeah, what is what's your approach to this aspect? Like, not you as the team of the High Republic, but you as Kevin Scott when you're writing your stories. How are you approaching the Jedi and, and developing that philosophy and adding to that mythology? With um, the Jedi, the High Republic. It was. It's been quite interesting because obviously we had that initial way back when, before the world ended and then was rebuilt. Um, you know, we did that press launch in in, in um, LA, um, and we released sort of like the first sort of little bios uh, of some of the Jedi. Uh, you know, Ava Crispy and the best of the Jedi of her era and that kind of thing. Um, and it's always interesting when you do that, and it can be quite a dangerous thing to do because people just think that that's the entire story. Um, you know, so you look at Ava Chris and immediately people go, oh, she's a Mary Sue. Oh, she's the best of the best. And you go, yep. You do realize that's just the beginning of the story. That's where she is then, you know, um, all of those moments are the beginning of the story we're going to tell. These Jedi are going to go through a lot. And that's what one thing that I, I personally wanted to do as well. I wanted to explore a Jedi order that has been in, at peace for a long time and, and has, you know, again, there was lots of people saying, well, there's going to be no war in Star Wars. And I, are you really sure we do that? Um, you know, so the Jedi at the time thought there would be no war in this part of Star Wars if they knew they were in such a thing called Star Wars in the first place. Um, 
but that was the whole point that that rug was going to be pulled quite soon from under their feet because we wanted to explore and I wanted to explore how different kind of Jedi cope with the situation where everything they've just assumed that's going to happen doesn't happen you know and and that the universe and the galaxy they're in is far different to the one they've prepared themselves for and that their masters prepared themselves for um and for me that's fascinating and and with the jedi themselves i've been um and again if you followed me on twitter and things you've you've seen i've been doing this i've been i've been exploring them um as i've been exploring stoicism as a as a philosophy as well because i think that relates very much to the jedi code um and so it's been very much how i've been viewing the um the jedi so i know obviously the jedi their their roots are in you know samurai and 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 george lucas's fascination of of that kind of character but i think the actual code itself is incredibly stoic um in every sense of the word um and so yeah I, i've been wanting to test them um because that's what you do to your characters don't you you put them through hell you put them through fire to see if they you know see if they will come out the other side um and that was definitely always the plan and so yeah it did make me laugh when we sort of like we'd see people taking those little bios completely to heart and going, well, that's it. Then I know what's going to happen for the next three years. And I was like, Oh no, you don't. Um, and you know, and I think that's where we're now, that's the road we're, we're, we're now traveling. And again, we're, we're so early on, you know, this is only just the beginning and, um, we've already seen some cracks form for some of the Jedi. Um, and we'll see a lot of them become a lot stronger because of it. Um, and perhaps a little bit more, you know, like the profiles that people originally thought, but they will earn it, you know, so they will earn those, those honors. Um, and yeah, that's, that's how I've, I've wanted to approach the Jedi and my, my stories within, um, within the initiative. And I think it's interesting too, because you, you're writing for a modern audience, right? And, the at least for for my generation growing up you know it was you have to go to college and do this and do that to be successful like there's this one particular path that you follow to be successful and then the internet came and the <laughs> you know it, over here we had the great recession and everything like that like just happens and we've been through literally hell and back and our entire view of of how the world functions and how you be successful and all of these things is like turned upside down and and we have this generation of people that's struggling to redefine it and, and provide context for that and then you get these stories about these jedi who you know had this one particular path you're supposed to follow and that kind of is getting shattered a little bit you know like mm. they they're having to deal with the nile and it's it's a enemy that they can't understand which of course going to ahsoka you know you always have to understand your enemies a little bit so mm. obviously like it's going to impact what ha what's happening in the world is going to impact your writing and your art no matter yeah. what it is but are there any certain aspects of like things you're seeing in the modern world whether it's ideas or events or anything like that that you're trying to uh speak to or that are inspire any aspects of your storytelling i think we're living in a time where um we're seeing every aspect of leaders um, plastered over every media piece of media we've seen. And so I think that's always going to inform um, the stories we're telling. And I think one of the things that, that's going to come out in the storytelling, um, um, and I'm particularly excited about, is that, yes, the, the Jedi have been the, the main thrust of the, sort of the beginning of the story, but we are going to, and we are now just starting to see um, the galaxy as a whole and it was you know always the plan that we some of these you know we would see what these events have to um 
what effects the events have on normal people, <laughs> people who can't move things with their mind and in Jedi mind tricks. Um, and whether those people are people in power or people who are just trying to exist in the universe. Um, and that's why I was really pleased when Justina um, brought the character uh, of Sylvan to um, uh, Out of the Shadows, because again, it's, it shows you the fact that you've got all these big events going on in the world and we see it throughout Star Wars. Um, but obviously it's the it's the the people who are living through those who are just as interesting as well and so that's something we we get every day because we we hear everyone's stories it's 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 probably it's never been easier to 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 see and hear what people are thinking about something but obviously now they you have to negotiate yourself around you know the, the we talked earlier on about characters that people play in themselves you know everyone's online being a character and being a, a, a face um and again we're starting to explore that you know the mask that we wear the mask that the the villains wear in in star wars and the mask that a lot of the heroes wear as well and so yeah i think it's all it's all very interesting when you're dealing with a world that seems to be lumbering lurching from one disaster or, or crisis to another um, and then you're obviously dealing with that in a fictional world, world as well. And and one thing I'm particularly interested in is, yeah, how people are actually reacting to it on a personal level. And that does include the Jedi, because, you know, the one thing I have tried to make for my Jedi um, that I've been dealing with in the High Republic is that they they aren't just... They aren't droids. I think, I, you know, I, I purposely say that in The Rising Storm. You know, they should never be droids. Um, they're real people who will make decisions based on what's happening around them. Um, and hopefully in their mind they'll be guided by their you know their their training and their beliefs and their code and the the people who have influenced them and their legacy um but they will also be caught in the moment and and they will have to make the choices they need to make them if we jump into the rising storm in particular um mm -hmm. just to kind of get into it did you come at the task with a a favorite character that you were looking forward to writing for um or something that you specifically wanted to do? What excited you about launching into this project particularly? Um, to the, for The Rising Storm, it was fascinating because I, oh, I I was looking forward to introducing Ty. I didn't realize that she would become a, a bigger part of the entire initiative at that point. Uh, I, I, she had a, a role in the story, and I hoped that she would be um, returning in other things. Um, and yeah, she's she's got a, a path set ahead of her now. Um, I think the character that I never expected, well, there's few characters I never expected to love so much. Um, one was Elzar, you know, because when I started, I had a very set idea of who Elzar was and um, and I, I enjoyed living under his skin for a while. Uh, and, you know, a lot of what he did surprised me. I mean, obviously a lot of what he did was planned, <laughs> you know, and, and, and I knew there was going to be some mistakes there. Um, Mr. Man, um, but yeah, his reaction surprised me, um, which is what I love about doing a project like this because we have the beats all there, we have the plan, we have we know where the High Republic ends. Uh, you know, I, I know where Keith's story ends, I know where Skier's story ends. Um, so that's our north star of where we're going. But we've allowed ourselves enough flexibility in the storytelling that we can get to that final point along certain different routes. Um, and depending on various things, because also you've got five people, and now you know there are perhaps other people who are going to be telling other stories. We're, we're seeing that in um, the Marvel um, 
there's a bit of Marvel miniseries recently announced um, there's going to be a Barriaga issue of that. So other people are also going to be starting telling stories within this section of the galaxy. So we we have to have a moment that we can say, we can be surprised by what happens as well. And Elzo was definitely one of those moments. I knew where how, how it would end up for him and I knew what he needed to do in the story to push on to the next point uh, of, his, of his character arc. But however, there was... Um, complications there I didn't foresee when I, until I was actually writing him and, it, and he felt real to me because that's what happens when you write a character and those choices he's made, he made and his reactions to those choices then informed um, you know the next writer in the team who took who's taken on Elza's story in the, in the next in the next wave so that was interesting and the other character again who I didn't think um, I was going to enjoy so much was Lorna and again at that point I didn't know I was going to be when I started writing the, the Rising Storm I didn't know then I'd be spending you know six and a half hours with her um, exploring her past and, and what happens when she gets banged up in a prison um, so yeah I knew again I knew I'd be spending time with Lorna and if anyone's read the um, the High Republic issue 10 to, uh, which came out today as we're recording this they know that you know I'm, I'm not finished with Lorna at all but um, I didn't I didn't realise how much I would enjoy writing her um, and how much potential I would see in her. Um, and again, that changed, that's changed her path a bit as well. Well, I want to I wanna stick on Elzar in a minute because Lorna's, Lorna is amazing and, we, and I definitely want to come back to her. But Elzar is one of those characters that when I, I read Light of the Jedi, I was like, okay, like he's a pretty, you know, vanilla, you know, uh, Jedi, you know, follows a rule. All, he was interesting, but he wasn't compelling to me. And then you start off the uh, the rising storm with Elzar getting baptized in the waters of Tython. And I think I died for a minute. Like, I think they had to come restart my heart because I am obsessed with, like, life and death and baptism symbolism and stuff like that. So right. you, you have that symbolism at the beginning, and then you have him basically throwing planets like that. <laughs> Go off on that. Like, what was your mindset? Were you dinosaurs at some point? <laughs> yeah, like it's amazing. So, like, are you thinking about that symbolism while you're, uh, you know, writing the stories, or is it? Does it just like naturally arise based on the story that you're trying to tell? I think it's a bit of both, really. I mean, um, in one of the early drafts, you didn't see him re re reacting to the vision, and it never really rang true to me. So, I think the. The prologue that you're, you're talking about was added in, in, I think, in the second draft um, because I just needed to see Elzar sooner because I'd enjoyed him so much that I needed to. I realised again. I don't think how I don't think I realised how central a character he was going to become um, in the story. He had a role to play in the story, um, but I I enjoyed it every time I got back to his point of view and his storyline, um, and I knew that other people would as well. So and. So that 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 prologue um, when he, he dives into the water um, absolutely came about because of that. And I mean, you, 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 when you create any character, and I think what Charles had to do in Light of the Jedi was so difficult because he had to sell everything in the space of one novel. He had to sell the entire um, High Republic and and, the, and you know and introduce a new form of Jedi and introduce these characters that we knew we'd be running with. And and yeah, so we. That book was supported with, you know, the comics coming out and and the books around it. But you know, Charles was there first out the gate, so and he only had so many pages to do it in. So yeah, you, you, and you don't want to blow everything in the first chapter either, you know. So he had to lay the groundwork for so many characters, and so everything that Elzar became 
um, the foundations were there. And everything he's going to become in the future, the foundations are there in Light of the Jedi. Um, and so, and so, yeah, it, it is fascinating. And it's, it's also, it's exciting to be able to be so early on um, in, the, in the, sort of the life of a character as well. Um, and to, to know that we are going to take them in, in, in ways that people perhaps weren't expecting. Um, and anyway, there's been a lot of people who've compared ours are, um, sorry, um, to Anakin. And, you know, and that was something we thought about long and hard. And I, I definitely thought about in The Rising Storm because I didn't want him to be Anakin 2.0. Um, and I wanted to, through his relationships with Stellan, definitely, um, show how how different the Jedi could have been in the prequels and how different Anakin's story could have been. Um, so there, there are similarities there between Anakin um, because as a great man once said, you know, that, you know, things rhyme there are echoes um and and it gives you a chance without going down the full sort of what if route to explore what that galaxy could have looked like um if different chase different decisions have been made and different choices have been made and the one thing the tragedy of the jedi for me is that i go through that entire prequel um series of films and and surrounding you know the media surround it and just shout at them just talk to each other it's just like you are friends you know you, you you are you know you literally say you are you are my brother and it's like well act like one um and you know and that's for someone who said you know who classes obi-wan as being one of the greatest jedi ever created you know it's it, you just look back and the trust that's the tragedy of, of the skywalker the early skywalker saga um is that it could have been so different and we 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 are now seeing that you know after watching the end of the clone wars and you get a real indication that yeah obi-wan knew exactly what was going on and you know and it, it how different life would have been i mean we wouldn't have got all those films so, you know, it was a good job, really. But, you know, how different it'd be is, you know, when Anakin's sneaking off to have hollow meetings with his wife, that Obi-Wan said, you know, I know what you're doing. <laughs> you know, I know what's going on. I'm not stupid. Um, and then, you know, the Emperor, Darth Sidious, wouldn't have been able to manipulate the way he did. Um, and I think that's one of the lessons of Star Wars. Is the, you know, the how to give the power to people who can manipulate you is to not share stuff with the people who are closest to you. So that's definitely a, a story that I, I've been wanting to explore throughout the High Republic. And as people are probably starting to notice now, it's a theme throughout all my sort of storytelling in, in the initiative. You know, Stellan and Elzar, Keeve and Skier. You know, for me, Star Wars is about relationships. Um, and, and it means you do have to tackle the tricky subject of you know not being connected to people within the jedi order and not forming attachments um and that in itself is fascinating so yeah it's something i think that will, will always give us stories within star wars and i'm very pleased to be able to tell my part of it at the minute well you you hit on something with charles sewell there and starting light of the jedi and, and the pressure with that and how it set up everything that you guys are were planning ahead and stuff like that and just from a, a fandom perspective, I know when Light of the Jedi came out, we were all like, all right, this is awesome. Like, we really like this. We like what they're doing with it. These characters are good. And, like, even characters that I didn't particularly connect with in that story, like Elzar and Stellan, it wasn't like a, oh, my God, these are boring characters. These aren't going to add anything. It was like, okay, you're introducing these characters. There's a lot of things that they have to set up. Like, 
Han Solo is really cool in A New Hope, but like he's Han Solo in Empire. You know, like you got to set yeah. these things up to put them in those situations. Exactly. And, and and one of the things that really hit after Rising Storm came out because oh my god, that ending uh, that was mean. That was very mean of you, <laughs> um, and I like it. Uh, I think but, it's very mean of us. It's fair. Well, but <laughs> we knew that was coming from the moment Loden was given life. We knew that you know things were going to happen. Um, so yeah, it's a the Rising Storm had a job to do, and and that job was pretty much that ending. Well, and I think that I think the thing that is beautiful about it is, you know, you've been mentioning how the story is going to be evolving, and you guys have a lot a lot of things planned, and uh, mm. you know where it's ending and stuff like that. And I think for for fans and for readers, we expected more of a slow burn, you know, um, mm-hmm. as these waves were coming out, and so it really shook everybody when Rising Storm came out, and we're like, oh, it already all went to crap. Okay, uh, if this is like not the the climax of the story, if this is not the worst thing that happens, we are in trouble. So, as we get into kind of the the future stories, and obviously we don't want spoilers or or anything mm-hmm. like that. Um, we're not we're not digging for that. But as we move to these new stories, like what are some things that you would say that that fans should be keeping an eye on and maybe looking forward to as the story is developing? What's so hard to say? Um, I think you should go back and do a lot of rereading <laughs> because the clues have all been there for a long mm. time. Highlighting um, books, man. Oh, no. <laughs> um, and the clues have been there from, you know, books before the High Republic launch with Light of the Jedi. And because um, that's been the fun thing is that we've all been working in this arena, the five of us, um, for, you know, for a while. And, and we were secretly working on this behind the scenes while we were also writing other Star Wars. So things, things, things slipped in there um so again i think you've you've got the things to look forward to are um explorations of which of those relationships will survive and how important they are um and and it will be an exploration of beliefs and what and, and values uh for everyone involved and i mean that on both Jedi and Nile side as well. Um, so, you know, it's it's going to be a very different galaxy at the end um, to the one that began. Um, and so, and the in the people it, it, the people involved are going to be very different as well. And and that's 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 the exciting thing about dealing with something on on the scale of which we've been planning um, and with the number of stories within it. And yeah, absolutely, we we wanted to hit the ground running on this and. You know, the Rising Storm, if you look at the sort of classic story structure, the Rising Storm is the catalyst for the entire story. It's, you know, it's the call to adventure. Um, it's, it's um, you know, Luke... It's the pre, you know, Luke finding a droid and then having his family crispy fried by a door. You know, it's, you know, that's the point we're at with the High Republic, with the Rising Storm. Um, and so... That is where the real, real story really begins. Um, and again, that was absolutely um, designed to be that way. I'm, I'm trying to process all of that at one time because my head is spinning now a little bit. <laughs> um, it's fantastic. Uh, I want to shift gears just a little bit, and I'm on a personal crusade to make sure everybody is enjoying Visions. Uh, that was uh, yes. a few weeks ago. I want to get your, uh, your take, your opinion, and which episode of yours might be, be your favorite that you've enjoyed so far. Oh, I yeah. hate doing favorites because oh, I don't know. I uh, well, it's, it's really hard. I 
you, you <laughs> get home and uh, you say, gee, I just need to unwind with something, you know, 15 minutes of fun, and I'm going to go put on an episode of Visions. And which one are you going to put on? I still love the first one. I think as a, as a such a such an, a, a um, purposeful um, proof of concept, you know, that, you know here's mm-hmm. going to be something that, that is so Star Wars and yet so different. Um, and it gets to the heart of what um, Star Wars is. Um, and I'm glad, I, mean, I haven't got, I've read, I've got the novel and I haven't read it yet, but boy, could I spend a long time in that version of the universe. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Know. And um, quite a bit then. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think, I think that just the fact that it was so styled so differently, um, and yeah, it's it was it was the true. Um, it it was like a DC elsewhere story come to life in the in the in the Star Wars universe, you know. And for me, that that was it made me sit up and take notice. I think um, in a way that I was excited for it, but then that really set me along the path. Um, and yeah, and just started the into everything. Everyone I watched was like, "Oh, and and now we have a serious set here, please." Um, you know, and 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 yeah, no, but it's still, it's the one I probably want to write in, if I was given the chance. It's the one that I, I I'd get also because it's I, I I do like a Sith, um, so it's um it would be really interesting to to write more um, of of that universe. Well, the right answer was the village bride, but we'll let it slide. Uh, <laughs> no, I love, I love that one so much. No, but you you touched on the uh, the the novel to go with the duel, um, and yeah. Drew's already read it and hasn't stopped talking about it since then. I'm working my way through it, and I think one of the interesting things uh, you'll find, especially for for somebody who's actively creating Star Wars right now, is how different the galaxy is in this one. So I think yeah. you'll really enjoy that. But we want to uh, thank you for, for coming on and joining us and talking about the High Republic. And I want to particularly thank you for uh, supporting our fundraiser again this year that we're going to have um, come this holiday season. We have a signed copy of The Rising Storm that it is mm-hmm. very hard to not put on my own bookshelf. Let me tell you what, guys, <laughs> because uh, it's fantastic. So I just personally wanted to thank you for that and, and give you a chance to talk about anything uh, you have upcoming that you can talk about, where people can find you, all of that Good stuff um yeah people can find me um on twitter far too much uh i keep saying i'm going to try not to be on twitter and then i am more um so yeah twitter my website's kevinscott.com stuff i've got coming up well obviously um there's going to be some more stuff in the in the high republic very very soon um the books it's been i've had a, a couple of months when i seem to have a release a week um because it 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 looked like i was the busiest person in star wars but actually what happened was that you were seeing two years of work almost released you know within two months um, so <laughs> that's awesome so you know th- but um i think the one thing if you and if you're listening to this, you are a Star Wars fan. Um, if you love Star Wars, and the one thing I hope you pick up is the Life Day Treasury, which I, I, I wrote um, with my good friend George Mann, which is a, our sort of um, our love letter to, to Christmas stories within in the Star Wars universe. Um, some scary, some sentimental, um, some bittersweet, um, with amazing illustrations by Grant Griffin. Um, and beyond beyond Star Wars. Um, 
my I, I write if you like the horror more horror aspects of what I write within Star Wars I have a series called Shadow Service um, from Vault Comics which is a supernatural spy series um, which is sort of James Bond meets Hammer meets Cthulhu meets all kinds of monsters um, and that's a sort of my sort of passion project that I'm always working on in the background when I'm um, doing everything else when Star Wars isn't completely consuming your life which it has been since 1978. <laughs> I was so, going to say, like, I don't know what that's like. Uh, can, you, yeah. can you tell me? Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Awesome. Well, we'll have those links in the show notes as well. And, of course, we will be talking about uh, the the new High Republic books here on Don't yes. Burn the Sacred Text. So we're very excited. And hopefully at some point in the future, maybe when uh, when the dust kind of settles on the High Republic, we can have you back on uh, and, and do, like, a retrospective or something. Because, like I said, I'm terrified <laughs> of what's going to happen because uh, of where we've already taken it so i'm looking forward to that and looking forward to more more work from you you do realize that's going to be many years like oh yeah yeah, yeah no no yeah, i mean literally you say the word and you can be on the show whenever you want <laughs> but uh, but also like i'm i like thinking in that big perspective of like oh my goodness yeah. like what is star wars going to be eight ten years from now goodness gracious mm. so but we'll be here covering it here on don't burn the sacred text and the clashing sabers network excellent of course you can uh, find all of our links in the show notes including our patreon that supports our literacy nonprofit to put star wars books into schools across the country um, and our fundraiser that we mentioned at the end of the year will do that as well so stay tuned for all of that uh and, and until next time keep reading keep writing but whatever you do don't burn the sacred text. All right, by this point, you know how this goes. Their stuff, their stuff, our stuff, our stuff. Not associated with Lucasfilm. Kathleen Kennedy, give me a call. Dave Filoni, I'm there if you need me. Our thoughts? They're our thoughts. They don't reflect Lucasfilm or anybody else associated with this stuff. So, if you don't like it, we're sorry. If you do like it, great. Let us know either way on iTunes, on whatever podcatcher you're listening to us on. Rate us, review us, share us, tell your friends about us, and dadgummit, whatever you do, just don't burn the sacred text. <laughs>